and welcome to my hearth. In the last episode, we started to investigate this problem of my identity because of trying to find my birth certificate, and it set up so many questions that I realised I needed to find out a bit more about it. Now, unfortunately, so many people that could have helped me are now no longer with us. You know, I've said in several podcasts ago that I come from an incredibly large family, but in fact, most of the generation of my parents' generation have died, and so it's impossible to ask someone directly. I did mention that in terms of finding out about your own story, it's very important to interview people that are still alive and to get as much information about their past as you can. Their stories will illuminate your story. Now, unfortunately, although I had asked my mum various questions about her and her family, I hadn't really asked her about my father's family, and that was where a lot of the problems lay. My dad's mum, my maternal grandmother, was one of the problems in trying to ascertain any truth about the family, because, as I've already said, whenever you asked her a question, you got a different answer each time you asked it. She made very few statements about the family, other than she always insisted that we were not Jewish. And at the time, I had thought that it was unusual that the only statement she made was a negative. Whenever anything came up, she would always say, well, we're not Jewish. And one of the reasons why I had asked her was that, of course, when my father got married to my mum, they were living in Tottenham. And at that particular part of Tottenham, Stamford Hill, which was a very Jewish area. And when my mum came to live there, she said that she was amazed that all of her neighbours were Jewish. My father was a very handsome man and had black, black hair and dark eyes. And whenever the sun came out, he got a very good tan. Again, I asked him why he had that particular look because he didn't look particularly English, although he had a great look of sort of Ronald Coleman, that sort of look. But he said that there was French in the family, and I thought, well, yes, that makes ever such a lot of sense. I realise now that that must have come from my grandma's side rather than my grandfather's side, now that I've found out more about them. But again, it's all a bit of a mystery. It's another question that's added to the list of things that I have to find out. My sister, who was very beautiful, had inherited that look of the very dark hair, black, black hair and brown eyes. And I'm completely different. I'm the most Scandinavian person you could see. Uh, my skin has a wonderful tendency to go from shades of white to shades of pink, and in the sun to shades of red. 
I very rarely tan, and I have pale blue-grey eyes. When I was younger, I had a hint of red in my hair, and that I have obviously inherited from my mother's side of the family, the Irish side. We couldn't have more of a Scandinavian influence in our bloodline. So let's go back to my dad's lineage and the fact that Grandma always insisted, although she lived in a very Jewish area, that we were not Jewish. I've already said in a previous podcast that Grandma Nancy, although she was incredibly bright, hadn't been very well educated and that she'd only really learnt to read and write properly after the First World War when she wanted to read the newspaper to buy houses. After the First World War in particular, when the country was in a very difficult financial state, houses were very, very cheap. That's because quite a lot of people had financial difficulties after the First World War, and of course, some people had died and houses were available. I may be wrong about this because I'm only quoting her, and as I said to you before, she wasn't a very reliable witness, even in a court of law. Like a lot of modern celebrities, she always told you her truth, and her truth varied depending on the day the time, and whether it was raining or not. But she told me that she could pick up houses very cheaply at that particular time, and then what she would do is rent them out. Because they were relatively cheap, and you could charge quite high rents in proportion, quite quickly she would save up enough money and buy another house. My father inherited that propensity for a belief in land and buildings. And especially when I was quite young, there was a a gentleman in the village where we were living, who was the estate agent, and he would come round to my dad if he had a piece of land to sell and ask him if he wanted to buy it. As a result, when I was little, I was surprised to find out that a lot of the land around where we lived was owned by my father. Not only that, one of his hobbies was to build houses. He didn't do all of it. He had a team of people that helped him, but all the time I was little, he was building houses all over the place. He was very good at certain things. He was meticulous and really enjoyed digging ditches and getting dirty and doing all the things that people sort of do nowadays as do-it-yourself, except he was building houses. He was amazing at tiling. He really liked doing it. And I have to say that everyone always commented on his tiling and saying that he was better than a professional tiler. So in the good weather, he was to be found very often down a ditch. In fact, 
I've got a great photograph of him with his head sticking out of the ground, um, standing in a ditch. So Grandma Nancy, his mum, she was the person who instigated all of this buying of property. And quite quickly, she had about a dozen houses. They were all in Hillside Road in Tottenham. And I think that had her husband, William Crispin Harris, not died relatively young, he was under 60, she would have continued in her pursuit of property. However, after he died, she got a kind of wanderlust and decided that she would go and live abroad. She decided to go to live in Australia. Uh, and to be honest, I don't quite know why she decided to do that. I know at the time, the weather in this country was not very good, especially in the winter, and she didn't like it. So perhaps it was just to do with the climate and, you know, the thought of living somewhere where in the winter it's, it wasn't as bad as our winters were. She moved to Matraville, which is somewhere near Sydney, and bought a bungalow there and remained there for quite a long while, although in fact she did come home very often. And each time she came home, she sold a flat to give herself more money, partly to cover the expense of travelling on the boat backwards and forwards to Australia. There were very many rumours about what she got up to on the boat there and back, but I will not go into the details of those because it's hearsay and you shouldn't speak ill of the dead. Suffice it to say that she had the reputation of being a bit of a party girl, even into her 80s. Anyway, let's go back to this question of why she insisted so much that we were not Jewish. Now, especially in the 1930s, being Jewish was quite a problem. With the rise of fascism in Europe, there was an equivalent anti-Jewish movement in this country, and I think various people were concerned not to be identified as Jewish. This was a time when quite a few people changed their names, and although very often Jewish people were welcomed into this country, there was a whole slew of people who were anti-Semitic. Now my question is, why did she continue with this we are not Jewish after this particular period in history? My sense, even when I was little, was to quote the lady doth protest too much, methinks. In this age of modern technology, having embarked on this trying to find out about my family, I decided to do a DNA test from 
the Ancestry website. And I thought this is going to be quite interesting because it can tell you about the origins of your ancestry and especially which ethnic groups you are connected to. The kit arrived and you have to put some saliva into the test files that they send you and then send them off, which I did and sort of waited with keen anticipation to find out about it. I was expecting there to be quite a lot of Scottish-Irish ancestry because I knew from my family how big that was. However, when the test results came back, I was very surprised to find out that I am 30% Jewish. And they can tell you which parent this has come from, and of course it was my father's side of the family, and that means that he was at least that, and that Nancy must have been even more of that. Ancestry also informs you where you have matches with other people. Now, I'm not expecting close matches on my father's side of the family, because obviously he only had one sister, and uh, she only had one child, and they're both dead, so I'm not expecting a close match, but I am expecting to get cousins and second cousins on my father's side of the family, and I'm expecting some of them to be Jewish. So I will let you know more of this when it comes in. Next time, we'll continue to have a look at some of the more secret areas of my family. <laughs>